Good morning. Our reading today is from Ephesians 3, 10 through 13. Hear the word of the Lord. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is your glory. This is the word of the Lord. God, you guys can take a seat. Thanks, Ren. Uh, good morning again, everybody. My name is Sean. I'm the lead pastor, teacher pastor here for Redemption Peoria. Um, glad you're here. Happy Mother's Day again. I, I do want to say, um, I know, uh, as Josh had mentioned a few times, there's definitely um, some sadness on this day. I, I also want to recognize just the joy that's, that's here. And for you as moms, there's not a lot of opportunities we get as a church uh, to recognize something that our culture is putting in front of us as a good thing, as a window of we appreciate this and that the church lines up with. And um, I think a day as our, in our context, our culture has said, let's celebrate moms. I think God would amen that uh, for your tenacity. You're willing to give over and over and over again. Your intuition, um, I mean, just it's amazing. So uh, happy Mother's Day uh, to those of you who are moms out there, um, whether biological or through adoption or whatever. We really do appreciate you. God appreciates you. God sees all the intricate details where you feel like no one is watching. He knows um, exactly what you're doing. And so um, I hope that causes um, just some confidence in the Lord uh, for you uh, as you think through that. Um, I'm going to jump into our text. I want to pray. If you don't know, we're in the book of Ephesians, and we've been going through it since the beginning of the year, and we're going through it real slow. So uh, as we uh, are in the middle of May, we're what, uh, chapter 3, uh, right? Dead center in the chap- uh, chapter 3. So we're, we're taking our time to go through it. Um, I'm going to do 10 through 13 today. We're in a little season where Though you'll normally, if you're new, you'll normally see me up here. We're in a season uh, right now, about seven or eight weeks, where you're going to hear from all of the elders. So uh, John had preached uh, uh, the last two weeks. You'll hear from me, and then you're going to continue to hear from John, uh, uh, Vince, Jim, and myself uh, over the course of the next, I think, five or six weeks. So uh, just be aware of, of that. Super excited for us to get the opportunity to, to hear from all the elders. Uh, let me pray real quick, and then we're going to jump into our text. Father, thanks so much for who you are. Thanks for Ephesians um, yeah, it's, it's a cool text that we're getting to, to go through today, and uh, the reality is some of us haven't thought deeply on the topic uh, that you're bringing up and putting in front of us, and so I pray that uh, your glory would do something to our souls uh, this morning. I also just, um, as a congregation, on behalf of our congregation, want to thank you for moms and for um, the way that you've wired them and the way that you um, continue to use them, not just... Uh, inside the church, but obviously outside the church, that you have in your common grace, your goodness, um, given uh, these women the ability to parent these little souls. I mean, crazy, crazy task, and somehow they do it. So thank you so much for that. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So um, as John had mentioned the last couple weeks, this section that we're in, in the book of Ephesians, is one of Paul's Holy Spirit-led tangents. He's in this little uh, parentheses uh, uh, mark, which we're going to finish up today. But the reason that's important is, as I hit verse 10, and as you're looking at your Bibles, you're going to see something. As we read verse 10, there's no way I can break down verse 10, 11, 12, and 13 without at least going back and reading 
the first nine verses because everything is bouncing back to that, okay? So if that doesn't make sense, uh, let me just read it real quick. This is how chapter 3 started as Paul's uh, uh, laying out some stuff. It says, For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you've heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. How the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I've written about briefly. So he's going to start to use this mystery language. He uses it actually quite a bit in the book of Ephesians. But Paul says this mystery was made known to me. Okay, so that, that's going to be important for our text. This mystery is made known to me by revelation as I've written about briefly. If you don't know Paul's journey, you can read it in the book of Acts. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into this mystery of Christ which has not been made known to the sons of men in other generations as it has been revealed in his holy apostles uh, and prophets by the Spirit. So there's this mystery that God was hiding uh, beforehand, but now has made known to this current generation, to the generation that Paul is in, to Paul specifically in this context. And listen to verse 6. This is really important. This mystery, he's going to tell us what this mystery is. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So what what has been hidden, what has been put kind of God not letting the world know is, um, I, I have a people, God is saying I have a people, the people of Israel in the Old Testament, But my plan, this mystery, was always to bring all things back together, not just through the Jews, but to bring the Gentiles into the fold and create something. And so he's he's saying this mystery was hidden before, but now it's made known. So an example of this is uh, I, I, a couple weeks ago, took my boys out of school so we can go see a movie together, just kind of as a surprise. Went and saw Ready Player One, legit. Um, So uh, got him out, and Titus got in the car, and then Corbin got in the car, and Titus said, uh, but uh, daddy, I thought it was just going to be a you and me day. His, his thought was that it was just going to be him and I, right? And as much as I would enjoy just him and I hanging out, the plan was never just him and I. It was always to have Corbin be in the car with us. In his mind, he thought, oh, I thought it was just going to be you and I. I'd never said that. But, but in his mind, that's what he thought. The reality is Corbin was always part of the plan, and that's what God did in the Old Testament, right? So the Jews are thinking, God, we're the people of God, we are Zion, we're the people of God, we're here. But God's plan was always to bring Jew and Gentile together. That was always the plan, and that's the mystery that God revealed to Paul. So what John did last week was he began to unpack that mystery in its totality with the last word that you see in verse 6, gospel. What is the gospel? And, and what he did is he, he showed us uh, the image uh, that, I don't know if you guys remember the image, as we grow in Jesus Christ, the cross needs to get bigger because we can err on either side. Talks about the depths of God's love in that gospel. And, and he read this, it was from this text. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the least, the very least, of all the saints, the grace was given, uh, uh, was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And then verse 9 is important again. And to bring to light for every what is the plan of the mystery hidden for the ages, hidden for ages in God who created all things. So Paul's saying, I now know, I see this mystery. This plan was always to bring Jew and Gentile together. God has revealed it to me. And now I'm, I'm beginning to not just reveal it to the Gentiles, but to all people. Okay? So that's where we were left. That's exactly where we were left. And verse uh, 10 is going to start with the word, so. Now, Here's the question before we we get at our our text that I think is worth asking. Why did God do it this way? Why did he have the Jews 
And why did he hide it for so long? Why did he not reveal this plan? Why was this eternal plan hidden from the prophets? Why? Why was this hidden? Why, why did God pocket the way that he did? Now, God, or, uh, uh, John said, um, well, no, don't, we won't get John and God confused. Uh, uh, John, John said uh, last week that today we're going to talk about the, this is the vehicle in which we bring the gospel, and he's right. So what we're going to do to get there and to understand what God is doing and why, I, I want to focus in and hone in on God, why? Verse 9, when it reads again, and to bring to light for everyone is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. Why did you hide this mystery? And there's not a lot of opportunity we get in the scriptures where God gives us the answers, uh, the, the answer to the question why, but we get it today in our text. So this is what it says. So, here's why. So, that through the church. Okay, before we, we go on, Here's, here's where we're at. Whatever um, area we're going to go into, there's something to do. We know from the beginning of our text, let's go through this slowly. It has to do with the church. Now, I want, I want just so we're understanding uh, what the church is because um, I know that uh, some of you have opinions on churches that are not right and aren't actual churches. And there's some obvious ones, right? Like the, the Mormon uh, uh, religion, Jehovah's Witnesses. And then there's some that are not so obvious, and I have my own opinions on that. So let me just, in the scriptures, when it's referring to the church, at least in Paul's idea, man, at, at one point in Romans, uh, the church is referred to as a house church. There's churches in our context that are small, 12 to 15 people who are taking communion together, baptizing, listening to the word often. That's a church. Sometimes, um, as we even see in uh, uh, the book of Ephesians, but in Colossians and Galatians, and actually the way that Thessalonians uh, reads out as well, the church can refer to like a city, a very specific city. So uh, Ephesus, or uh, as, as we've seen that all the letters, actually, Corinthians, Ephesians, uh, Galatians, all these are written to, to a church. But even some of those letters are actually even written to regions. So imagine uh, uh, God saying like the church in Arizona. I mean, that's a lot of different churches. That, and even, honestly, the, the, the way that the text plays out sometimes is just the worldwide church. So whatever it is, whatever God's eternal plan was, it's the church. It's starting with so that through the church. So the plan could not have come to fruition without this church. These Jew and Gentiles coming together as the church, right? It's referred to as a body, a temple, um, uh, vines and branches, uh, a family. So here is the church, whatever it is. Listen to me, look at me real quick. This is important. You and I doing what we're doing right now, getting together in homes, being in community one another with one another, sometimes feeling like you don't want to be around other people. We're doing what God's eternal plan was always set to do. This is the church. So, so I can say in the plural, you, so that through you, us, something. And, and I get that um, when I make a statement like that, some of you are coming from uh, your own background, bringing baggage from your own story going, bro, I've been in the church for a while, and I'm telling you it's not part of his eternal plan. We're a mess. And I get it. Like, I, I totally get it. Kenneth and I have had our fair share of burns from the church, for sure. Um, but I think there's something, I think John Stott nailed this. Let's listen to what he says about this. Now, it's understandable and even inevitable 
that we are critical of many of the church's inherited structures and traditions. Every church in every place at every time is in need of reform and renewal. But we need to beware lest we despise the church of God and are blind to his work in history. We may safely say that God has not abandoned his church, however displeased with it he may be. He is still building and refining it. And if God has not abandoned it, how can we? It has a central place in his eternal plan. Wherever we're going to go with this text, the why as to why God said, no, 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 let's not let human history know what I'm doing. It has to do with the church. So that through the church, this pivotal point for you and I and all of our brothers and sisters before us, as Jesus comes on the scene and says, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand, he starts this community called the church. So it goes on, so that through the church, if it wasn't bonkers already, you ready for this? The manifold wisdom of God might now be made known. Okay, um, so the manifold wisdom, this is a, a, an interesting um, way to play some of this out. So the, the Greek word is polypokoilios. It's um, pokoilios is the word where we get like many dimensions or many views. You can look at a, a fish as it swims, and you would say that has many different shimmers as the fish turns. You can see different angles. The word poly before that word is actually where we get our word many. Uh, we have the, the term uh, uh, polytheism, meaning many gods. So literally what he's saying is he's saying many Many views, ultra many views, ultra diverse views of the wisdom of God. That there are billions of billions of ways to see this. Actually, um, a lot of times this word is used in the Old Testament as describing flowers in a field or, or jewels on a crown. There's many sparkles, many ways to view this. And the multi, the, the many, many views of the wisdom of God is what the church is to display. Okay. Can we just, let me just read it again, because y'all ain't getting it. I know I've been out of the pulpit for a little bit. Let me bring the charismatic spirit back up in here, okay? Listen to this. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known. Are you hearing this? That the church is to display the wisdom of God. Okay, um... I need you to think how fragile you are, that James would even refer to you as a mist. That in, in 1 Corinthians, listen to how 1 Corinthians, or I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4 describes us and our relationship with God. Listen to the, our part of it, the description of who we are, okay? For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So God has used, it, used us to shine the light of Jesus Christ. But we share, or but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. And you think of the church. Think of how broken it is. Think of how fragile it is. Think of how broken you are. Think of how fragile you are. How often you mess up. How often you're not feeling like you're a good mom. You're not feeling like you're a good dad. In your jars of clay, your mistyped life, God has chosen to instill this gem. All the ways that the world was created. Okay, let's stop for a second. The oceans say, up to this point, wisdom has said, no. The reason we don't just fly off this earth because of gravity, mathematical equations, was created in the wisdom of God. He has bestowed all of that knowledge, all of that wisdom, that many diverse ways to see the wisdom of God in a mist. 
in you in a jar of clay. I mean, y'all don't put like valuable stuff in jars of clay. You put it in safes in a jar of clay. Are you hearing this? And so, so we get this display as this multi-view, this many, many diverse views of wisdom of God. We're holding tight, right? We're holding tight. Now, uh, I, I want to go on because we're going to spend a lot of our time going through all this. But let me read something again from John Stott because I think he nailed. Um, if you don't know who John Stott is, he was, he's passed away now. He was uh, a pastor over the Langham uh, uh, group. Um, and, and, uh, yeah, he's a really good dude. Uh, Chris Wright has taken his chair uh, since then, but really brilliant guy commented on Ephesians, wrote a commentary on Ephesians. Listen to how these, he describes this. Cause I think it's amazing. Okay. Um, he says the church as a multiracial, multicultural community is like a beautiful tapestry. Its members come from a wide range of colorful backgrounds. No human community resembles it. No human community resembles it. It's diversity and harmony are unique. It is God's new society and many colored fellowship of the church is a reflection of the many colored wisdom of God. So then as the gospel spreads throughout the world, as this, uh, so the gospel spreads throughout the world as this Christian community develops. So let's go back to what John preached last week. Here's the apostle Paul saying, I have a call. God has called me to preach to the Gentiles. What Paul's declaring is I have one call. My one call is part of a bigger calling that all through the church, check this out, you are where you are where we're not. You have the ability to show the wisdom of God as one of those scales on the fish to reflect the beauty, the glory of God, and the wisdom of God in a place where I'm not, where he's not, where she's not. It's where you are. You're wired in such a way to understand things, not by accident. That you may get mathematics, or you, you, you may get uh, uh, English, or you, you may understand uh, computer science, or you may understand the medical system. You just get it, and you're looking to go, what, what don't you understand here? Like you're talking to a four-year-old. Listen, that's not an accident. Your physical giftings are not an accident. The way you process life is not an accident. God has given you, like Paul, a path. He's putting something in front of you. Display my wisdom where the rest of the church isn't. And for too long, we've thought about this as only missionaries, which we want to affirm, the heroes of our faith, going across the oceans, going into a place that is unknown, uh, that doesn't know about Jesus Christ. See, they're they're this one in a tribe. But I'm saying, listen, I don't know if you know this, but we are in an ever-growing post-Christian society, and your workplace is an unsafe tribe. Like where you are, check this out. Let's just, let's just lay it down for what it is. You know how humanity is supposed to flourish. In God's wisdom, he has instilled in his church the way of life. You have the answers to life. Now, if you're not a believer and you hear, you're going, that's a little bit arrogant. It ain't me, bro. Like, it's just, I'm just telling you, this is putting in front of us. God knows what true human flourishing is. He knows how it is to do your job. And, And you are in so many ways to make the world wonder why are you the way that you are? So, so um, if we could just pause on that and go, wow, wow. God has instilled his wisdom in his church that we know the way things are and the way things are supposed to be. Now, um, um, 
oh, wow, I randomly should bring this up because I just randomly forgot. Uh, take a side tangent from the Bible. We're doing pictures for Mother's Day uh, out in the lobby. Um, so when you go out, you can go to your left, and we're going to take some pictures. Ephesians. Yep. Um, okay. Okay, so, so let me read the next text because... Um, we don't just get uh, God's eternal plan, who he's going to use, and we don't just get how he's going to do it, but we get actually who it's going to dis- be displayed towards. Listen to this. So, uh, to the, or, sorry, let's go back. Uh, the, the manifest wisdom of God might be made known to who? To who? To the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Okay, this is, this is a trip. So here you are living as true humanity as the church. You are a reflection of what the world should and one day will look like as the kingdom of God, as citizens of the kingdom of God. But you're not just displaying it to your coworkers. As a matter of fact, that's not even what this text is saying. It's actually saying it's the, you're displaying it to, to the world that isn't even seen. Now, I think this can be uh, looked at two different ways. One, the um, anti-God uh, rulers, meaning the demonic powers. And we've talked about this at length when we were in Ephesians 1, 19 through 23. We talked about how there are uh, spiritual structures. I have actually a couple texts on here that I think to show it. Yeah, in Colossians 2, 8, 9, listen to this. These are the, when, we, when you hear the term rulers and authorities in the heavenly places, listen to Colossians 2, 8, 9. See that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of this world and not according to Christ. We saw in Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, that there is a path, a way, and there is someone over that path and way that is not of God. So to put it simply, there is a different way than the kingdom of God. You have the wisdom of God that says, this is how humanity flourishes. This is what true life looks like. And there are demonic powers that go, no, this is how humanity flourishes. This is what it looks like. And in this statement, here it is, you are walking around, not just saying, but displaying to the demonic forces that are out there, this is the wisdom of God. Like you may say, get yours, but God's got me. Like, like you may say, no, retaliate because they burned you. No, no, God will defend me. Turn the other cheek. Say, no, hoard up, hoard up because retirement's coming. But God says, give Give, give, give. Everything that is contrary to the way that these demonic forces, these elemental spirits of the world are putting in front of us, it seems like the gospel is constantly pressing against. But I don't think it's just the anti-God establishment. It's honestly what I I don't think. um, I think there's more to this. Uh, I I would also say it's to the pro-God um, uh, establishment, the, the pro-God beings, rulers, and authorities. Meaning this, I think um, what's clearly displayed in this moment is the angels for thousands of years have been wondering what on earth God was doing. What are you doing? And now as Jesus comes, and, and check this out, this is a trip, gives his church to the world, I think the angels go, oh, that's how humanity is supposed to operate. I see it now. Artemis Robinson said that the, the, the history of the church is the graduate school for angels. That, that, that they, are, they look into and they see, oh my goodness, you have chosen 
to instill this wonderful ruby, this gem, this valuable thing, not in powerful angels, not, not in seraphim, not in Gabriel, not in Michael, but in humans. And here you are, the angels go, oh, crazy. Uh, I love actually what Spurgeon says, because I think um, he, he gets at the heart of, I, I think, what this uh, section of text is trying to point us towards, which is a little bit of awe. Because um, I don't know if you've ever actually thought about that. That I, I think we live in a, a platonic culture where we have separated physical and spiritual. And so we think everything above is this and then here we are. And yet the Bible's putting us in this perspective. We're actually the teacher to the rulers and authorities, the unseen world. And so listen to what Spurgeon says. Do you think that you and I have sufficiently considered that we are always looked upon by angels and that they desire to learn through us the wisdom of God? Have you considered that? That the angels are going, okay, you got to tell me more about this wisdom. Show me what it means uh, to parent. Show me what it means for racial reconciliation. Show me how humanity is truly supposed to flourish. The angels look at us, the rulers and unseen powers. I know it sounds crazy, but it's there in the text. Now, I think um, there's two really important things for us to know moving forward in the rest of our text, because we've only spent our time on one verse. But from this point on, I think there are, um, there are two things to know because that's true. When I say that, I mean that God has chosen to hide his, this mystery, this eternal plan, that he's bringing all things together. He has chosen to uh, encapsulate his wisdom in the church. Now, there's two important things that you need to know about that. And listen, listen, they're both laid out in the text. Verse 11 says this. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Here's the first thing you need to realize. It's always been about Jesus. The plan was always Jesus. Now, I don't love the ESV's translation here of realize because it makes it seem like God's going, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know, Jesus seems to work out. Yes, Jesus. Um, you, you'll see in, in some of your translations, it says the word accomplished even. Um, the NLT, I think, says uh, through uh, uh, Jesus Christ, that the plan was always Jesus. So here's the first thing that you need to know. Um, the one that we follow, Jesus Christ, this text has just said, and I don't think I can overstate this, Jesus is the epicenter of history. Like, I don't have all the answers as to exactly why or how he did all these things, the details of it. And you're reading your scriptures and you're going, why did he allow sin? Why did he allow evil? Why did he allow pain? I don't know all the details. But what I can say is, all arrows before and after are pointing to Jesus. That the answers would be in the incarnation, the atonement, and the kingdom of Jesus Christ. So I don't know why the details of all those things, but in the incarnation of Jesus Christ, in the atoning work of Jesus Christ, and in his kingdom is the why. He is the epicenter of history. Adam and Eve play out, Abraham play out, your life plays out, all pointing towards Jesus Christ. Let me read it again. This was according to the eternal purpose. The plan was always, let's put it real simple. The plan, the purpose was always eternal. What the eternal purpose has realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord, the plan was always Jesus. It was always Jesus. Genesis one and two, the garden's good. The earth is good. Genesis three, the garden's broken. The world's broken. 
God brings a, 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 a people through Abraham in, in uh, Genesis like 14 through 19. The plan was always Jesus. The plan was always Jesus. All of human history, I don't care what your textbooks told you when you were growing up, what the word of God is telling us, it all revolves around Jesus Christ. The fact that he incarnated himself as God to be a man, he atoned for our sins, and he brought his kingdom. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. That's the first thing you need to know. This wasn't an accident. It's all about Jesus. The eternal plan was always Jesus. But the second thing that I think is important for you to know is uh, verse 12 and 13. In whom, talking about Jesus, we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith, in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Um, here's the second thing that, that uh, is important for you to know, and some of this is in a little ways. Dang it, I keep doing that with my watch. I don't know how long I've been going, Josh. I'm assuming 10 minutes, so I got about 30 minutes. Um, so so he, here's, here, here's what I would say. Um, being a peculiar people is not easy. So uh, this last uh, weekend, the reason that we weren't here is our community and the Toby community, we went to Mexico to build a house through one mission. And while we were there, the, the night before we started the build, um, we were at a taco sh- uh, shop, Taco Chewy's, and we were there just eating. And um, it's an outside type of venue. And uh, as you kind of pull up, there's this guy asking if you, he can wash your car, right? And so um, he came after we came, and we're just, we're sitting there eating together. And he's kind of laughing at our jokes. And, and like you can tell, he's clearly like listening to, to us and knows what we're saying, right? And so... Um, we, we're done eating, and Alejandro is the only person who spoke Spanish in our uh, uh, group there. As we're walking out, he says something to her in Spanish, and um, the thing that he asked, I found out later, was he asks, hey, you guys are Christians, right? Well, then he starts to talk in English, and I'm not just saying, like, like, Spanish is his first language, and then he spoke English. No, I mean, like, the way that I'm talking to you right now, the, the like, perfect, flawless English, and we're like, what's the deal, right? And so he begins to tell us his story. He uh, was born in Mexico, but at eight months, he was brought to uh, Utah, and he was raised in Utah, uh, spent some time a little bit, he has some family in California, but was raised in the United States, went his whole life in the United States. He's 23, I think is how old he is, 23 years old. Well, he caught caught working. He wasn't doing anything illegal uh, in that he was breaking the law outside of, he was working, but he didn't have documentation. And so what, had, what, what ta- uh, happened is the government then said, hey, you're not a c- citizen here. Even though he was born and raised in America, all he's known is American culture. He speaks English. He didn't know Spanish. He then is deported to Mexico. Now, I need you to think about this for a second. Imagine you being deported to Mexico. This is the same exact thing. It's not like because he was, uh, he's, he's a little darker color right? Like he's, oh yeah, he just picks it up. That's like our adopted daughter, Anna, like because she's ethnically Hispanic, she's just going to know Spanish. Yeah, she just knows Spanish. No, that's not how it works. Okay. So he's deported. Here he is. He knows no one. He doesn't speak the language. He's been there for six months. And so he learned how to speak Spanish. He doesn't know where to live. He's just there. I need you to, and I, it was hard, like I almost lost it. It was hard for me driving back to base camp not to just break down because I'm thinking of this kid who was a believer, who is a believer, who ministered to Mormons in Utah, got caught working without documentation, and now is just in Mexico, doesn't know what to do. He didn't choose to come to America when he was eight months old. And so here he is. He is completely out of his element. Imagine how hard that is for him. 
Danny is his name. Imagine how hard that is. Imagine how difficult that is. And in so many ways, this is exactly what God has called you to do spiritually. And it's not easy. You've got to go to your workplace and be completely countercultural. Like, like the, the world, that the, the environments you're in, parenting is, is, is said to be done this way. This is how you should discipline, or at least in our culture, not discipline anymore. Can I get an amen? Um, okay. Okay, so, so, so this is how you discipline. This, this, is, this is how you act. This is what you do with your money. Uh, this is what you do in the areas of sex. This is what you do in the areas of relationship. And everything uh, uh, within the word of God and the spirit of God is telling you, no, that's not. And that wears on you. I mean, it wears on you. If anyone told you that Christianity was going to be easy, that to be a citizen of the kingdom of God was going to be easy, they lied. It is difficult. And, and that's just not in the areas of just living it out, but then to begin to proclaim, begin to, to read your word and pray. These things aren't coming natural to your flesh because you are a citizen of the kingdom of God, but you were born in this world. It's not easy. It's not easy. And I love that Paul says, don't see this as something sorry. See this as glory. Ooh, that's good. I just made that up right now. That's a shirt. Um, don't see this as something, that's a sad existence. The Christians, uh, yeah, they're just, no, no, no. It's glory. James 1.9 says, uh, the man in humble circumstances ought to take pride in his high position. That God has put you on display to the rulers and authorities. This is good news. So be bold. Have confidence in Jesus Christ through the faith of Jesus Christ. So that's our text. It's good. It's really good. So here's what I want to leave you with. Um, My fear in walking away as I was putting this together and thinking through our text was um, the ambiguity of leaving here. Cool. You're supposed to like work your job and raise your kids for the glory of God. Nothing new here. So here's what I want to leave you with. I think there is a how. I do. I I think there is a how to understand this. And here's what I want you to know. Um, There seems to be a confusion in the way that we're understanding Christianity as we ever growing into this, grow into this um, non-Christian society slowly but surely as we sink into it, this polytheism, this pantheism, this, this world that seems to love uh, uh, spirituality, but not Christianity. And so as we're growing into this, I think there is a how uh, to do this. And here, here's what I want to say about this. Man, I'm calling you to a life choice. Well, forget what I'm calling you to. What the text is putting in front of you is, um, you can't show the rulers of this world the way things are supposed to be when you're in love with the world. That's not how it works. And so Christianity is calling you to be, to exist. And so um, there's a, uh, as a pastor, uh, I'm given books all the time. And people just think I want to just get books all the time. Actually, which I love because I love getting new books. And when we first planted, um, one of the first batch of books that was given to me was by uh, Dr. Jim Ellis, an elder. Um, and uh, he, uh, he loves when you call him doctor, by the way. Um, he gave me a set of these books, which is uh, now everything's done online. That's probably why he gave them to me. He just wanted to get rid of them. Thanks, Jim. Uh, but it's a translator's uh, guide, a handbook to books in the Bible. So what these books are created for is um, if I'm going to go to Uganda 
into the language. And there's an area of Uganda that is a dialect that the Bible hasn't been translated into yet. This book helps you understand different cultures and how you would translate different scriptures. So it would say things like, well, you might be in a context that believes this. So you might want to translate the word this way, right? And so it it helps you navigate all of that. Well, when I got to verse 10, in displaying this and talking about displaying, this is what the translator's guide said. I, I try to read this in a Spurgeon sermon. That's revealing myself every time I preach, just so I can get uh, some things. Usually Spurgeon would have preached it better than me, but whatever. Uh, okay, so this is what, in, in verse 10, when he says, through the church, this is how he's trying to understand how do we as a church, through the church, display the manifold wisdom of God. And you can tell as you're reading through it, he starts to get tripped up on something. And so I want to see if you can catch it, Okay. Through the church, this phrase, which is used nowhere else in the New Testament, says that the church is the means by which the manifold wisdom of God is revealed to the spiritual powers and rulers. Now listen to this. The writer does not elaborate, and so the interpreter is left to decide for themselves whether this means the church sheer existence as the body of Christ in presence or the church's activity in the proclamation of the gospel. And he actually goes on, and, and here's where he's getting tripped up. If you're going into a context, he's thinking like a Westerner. He's created a box, meaning, okay, are we displaying to the rulers and authorities, to the world around us, by just sheerly being citizens of the kingdom, by being present, by, by just, you've got a stapler, and your, your, your uh, coworker's like, hey, can I borrow your stapler? Like, yeah, here's your stapler, and you're like, they're like, are you a believer? That was amazing. How'd you hand me that stapler? Is it that? Is it in the presence, the, the way that you display Christianity, or where he's getting tripped up is, or is it in proclamation? Now, this is my assessment of the issue that he's running into. He's run into strictly only a Western problem. That we think somehow um, you can be a Christian, but not be a Christian. Or better yet, you can say you're a Christian and not be a Christian. That you can follow Jesus Christ, and there could be moments, is it the times where I talk about Jesus Christ, or is this just a, I'm just being a citizen of the kingdom? No, no, look at me, hear me, it's in your bones. It's in your bones. Like you're all in. And so, uh, any parent knows this, no one goes up to the parents in the room and goes, so wait a minute, are you like a tell your kids what to do, or are you kind of like a live it out and let them watch? There's no option in parenting, Right? Like, you're living it, and they're, like, starting to mimic you, and you're like, dang it, okay? And you also have to tell them, this is right or this is wrong. And so, so, so I think where the translators get getting, and as you go into a culture that just believes that they believe, there is no, when I'm in Ghana, as a believer, well, sometimes I proclaim, and sometimes I'm just present. No, 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 hear me. You just are. You are a believer of Jesus Christ. You are either all in or you are not in. You understand? And so to display the manifold wisdom of God carries this wonderful weight that we are being people, not just doing people, that that it will come out of you, that you will find moments where you will go, you're believing the wrong way of human flourishing. That's wrong. You will live a life that reflects that reality. Leslie Newbegin says it like this, and I'm done. The central reality is neither word nor act, but the total life of the community, enabled by the Spirit to live in Christ, sharing his passion and the power of his resurrection. That's it. 
That's what we do. Everywhere we go, we know that we follow someone where all of human history is pointing towards. And we recognize that him coming back to life in his resurrection is true human flourishing. That we have a life that they don't have. Be bold. Be confident. Trust in the Lord that he's doing something as your calling is put in front of the world. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for who you are. Thanks for, honestly, uh, a truth that's kind of difficult to, to, to grasp. It, it feels insane to think that you've chosen to take all of your wisdom, the fact that you are eternal, you're all-knowing, you're everywhere at once, you're immutable. You're, like, here you are, you've created the very brains that we have, You've chosen to take that wisdom that you contain and give it to your church. To hide it away and tuck it away in your church. And we, man, we feel completely inadequate. We feel like we are not doing that on a regular basis. Some because we've fallen in love with the world all too often and nibbled at its table for too long. For some of us, we feel like we're trying, we're trying, we're trying, and we can't get it right. And so we tend to err on sides of what we talked about in the gospel last week, legalism or licentiousness, and and we, we seem to be lost in that tension. But I would pray that you would center us in knowing the truth that we have the wisdom of God within us with the man Jesus Christ. That you would center us to know that your eternal plan was not to do it through us, but through Jesus Christ. And that we are following Jesus Christ And as the church, we continue to display Jesus Christ. Your eternal plan was Jesus Christ. The purpose was Jesus Christ. Our getting it right is all because of the Holy Spirit working in the atoning work of Jesus Christ. And us getting it wrong is you calling us back because of the cross of Jesus Christ. It's in him we have boldness. It's in him we have confidence. It's in him that we have this access in faith. Thank you so much for that. I pray we would not see our state as citizens of the kingdom as lowly by your standards, but we are in a high proximity before you. Thank you so much for that. We love you. We praise you. Be with us as we reflect your wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen.